0: You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jenna Sargent, news editor of SD Times.
1: Welcome back for another episode of the podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about what developers need to know when it comes to cloud computing costs. If developers aren't careful about the resources they're using, they might unintentionally rack up a huge cloud bill. Here to share insights into this is Iran Khanna, CEO of Archera. Here's Iran to introduce himself.
0: Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me, Jenna. Uh, my name's Iran Khanna. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Archera. We help customers save money in the cloud by automating their forecasting, financial governance, uh, commitment purchasing, and then actually selling insurance against those commitments they purchase with AWS or Azure. Um, and, uh, I'm actually a Seattle native born and raised, uh, quite literally in the cloud. You know, I worked at Azure in the early days and then did a startup that was acquired by AWS and built out, uh, their SageMaker team there. So have a lot of familiar familiarity with the space and, and super excited to talk more about, you know, why developers should care about, uh, cloud commitments and spend management.
1: Yeah. It's interesting with this whole idea of like developers having to pay attention to cloud costs because like traditionally when you're. You were running services on premises, the IT team would kind of handle all that and you wouldn't really be responsible, but now it seems like developers are having to be more conscious about what the the code they're writing and the services they're running actually causes like costs to go up
0: yeah it, it's a really crazy shift because you know in the old days you would actually have to go to you know, the it department or procurement and say hey i need you know a box of this size and then they would go to dell or hp and negotiate a price and figure out leasing terms or whatever put it in the data center and three weeks later you could start your project and now you can start your project immediately but you bypass that whole loop so you essentially as the developer uh, and i saw this problem at massive scale when i was doing machine learning training at Amazon, you know, you are the FPNA department, and you know it is within you know a, a errant zero to charge millions of dollars onto the company card. And obviously, the vendors are, are nice about it now, and they refund it and uh, give you credits if you ask. But you know, it's still a very stressful situation. And actually, the reason I started the company was you know while there were a lot of existing dashboarding tools in the space that kind of helped folks contextualize and attribute the spend, the problem was a lot of this responsibility still fell on the backs of developers and what I was able to see was that these really high-performing companies with dedicated teams to try and figure out this problem, they were able to unload a lot of that from the developers through automation and centralizing a lot of these, you know, finan- you know quite frankly, financial decisions uh, and abstracting it away from them in a, in a really interesting and um, sort of scalable way. Uh, so those are like the Netflixes and the Airbnbs of the world that really have dedicated five-person teams. And, you know, I wanted to become part of that transition to get people away from having to really think and deal with that with every line of code they write and making it more of a kind of automated process that's, that's uh, you know, push rather than pull.
1: What sort of things can developers do to keep costs down? Is it is automation like the main driving force to achieving that?
0: Well, I think it, it all starts with, you know, visibility and understanding uh, what you're using. And I think that's already made very difficult because the you know, financial metrics of the cloud Uh, from the vendors are quite difficult to get to and occur in a very different place from where you provision. So often uh, just understanding kind of what is the running tab that you have at the bar essentially is the first step to uh, really understand where you can act. Um, And I think there's sort of simple things like cleaning up after yourself, right? Making sure that you, if you do a terraform up uh, for an experiment, you do a terraform down and Making sure that your environment, your accounts are are clean and accounted for, uh, I think is sort of the first thing. Now, obviously, that takes time, and you know, there are tools with automated tagging like ours that help with that and automated alerting. But you know, at the very least, you should be going in if you don't have that to whatever dashboard the vendor offers every so often to make sure that things are in control. So I think visibility is kind of the key thing because uh, once you know where there's waste, quite easy with a few scripts to kind of fix it. Do
1: you find that companies? kind of have processes in place for monitoring these costs or does it really vary based on the company size and how aware they are of this issue?
0: I think it it varies a ton and there's a lot of scar tissue in the space because people who, have been at large companies where they try to get spend under control across their cloud providers see how high the friction is and how you know even the existing tools in the space have such a high bar to even procure and enable them across teams it's an investment for a few quarters to get it under control so many companies particularly smaller ones say look you know our focus is growth we don't want to divert any developer hours um because right now until you know this next wave of automation first tools like ours came along this was a very manual process and it was very time consuming. So you see people choose to invest in it at a point where uh, spend becomes a pain rather than at the outset. And I think that's a mindset that as we mature in the cloud, um, I think hopefully starts to change. And, you know, there are things to fill the gaps like Archera that make it really easy for developers to uh, do this without having to sacrifice the key business driving day job in terms of tasks they have to complete.
1: What happens um usually when like a developer accidentally causes like a super high cloud bill.
0: Yeah, that uh that's a fun one. So um you know, I think there are good mechanisms particularly AWS where I was for customers when something like that does happen and it's a one off to go to their account manager. Uh, or work with a partner like us to go to their account manager and get that refunded at the end of the month, or get that back in credits. Um, so there are some guardrails that I think are nice to have and are put in place by the support teams at the uh, vendors themselves. But you know, in general, I think if this happens constantly, then you know it's going to raise eyebrows, and that's not going to be as easy of a of a loop as if it's a one off. But both ways for the developer in the organization, it's a pain because you know you have the immediate shock of of what you had done. You have to escalate and get whoever is the the billing owner for your AWS account on with the manager or the support person uh, it causes a lot of additional cycles regardless of if the spend is refunded or not so you know i think having monitoring in place that you know obviously you have to build or buy uh is really important if you're going to operate in a you know much more dynamic environment and you're going to have a lot of freedom and not you know put tight governance controls on all of your developers
1: do you think that having developers have to pay more attention to their resource use kind of gets in the way of innovation?
0: I think there is good attention and bad attention that you can spend, right? So if developers have to figure out, you know, how much money to spend up front on their resources and what the cost of capital of their team is, that's bad attention that they're spending. That should be better used elsewhere. If developers are actually saying, look, is this architecture correct? Could we use a more efficient, scalable architecture that will lower our costs or will make us more robust to failure if we say run on spot and it has multiple benefits, one of them being cost um, and it's fundamental change to to an architecture, to a way of doing things. I think that's good attention, right? Um, And, you know, honestly, I think the way that tools that operate on cost and try and expose that to developers uh, should be working is to minimize the bad attention. Like, hey, this thing is wasted, turn it off. Or, hey, you need to buy commitments, go figure it out. Uh, It should try and take that off the backs of the developers, put that in more of a central function, uh, and then let developers really focus on the good attention to cost, which really has to deal with kind of architecture and efficiency um, and these are the big savings, right? Going from a IaaS uh, environment to something that's serverless could have you know, big impact, obviously it's a big lift, um, but it could have impact across cost, reliability, portability, et cetera. So you see, um, I think developers in organizations that are mature really focusing on those things and having all this other undifferentiated stuff like the reporting and dashboarding all the way down to the operations and commitment management taken off of their backs.
1: Do you have any advice for companies who are kind of just coming to the realization that is this is a problem um, for how they can kind of get to that m- more mature stage of awareness?
0: Yeah. You know, I think it starts with making sure that there's an operational framework at the very least in place, you know, between uh, the people who are consuming the resources and then the people who own the bill and own the p So you know, even having a, a meeting every month, which I think is fairly common in a lot of organizations as a starting point, on costs, where, you know, someone is responsible for bringing the visibility dashboards and the attribution. Someone's responsible for forecasting. Someone's responsible for, you know, figuring out what are the optimizations that are going to be made and stack ranking those. You know, even if it's done manually without using a tool that streamlines the process like ours, you know, that has to be the starting point. You need to get the observability. You need to get the planning and you need to get uh, kind of the action and execution uh, loop set up. And it's not a single stakeholder loop, right? These things are... Uh, core instruments of the business now. So you have stakeholders across finance, leadership, engineering uh, that need to be involved here. And, you know, it could be heavyweight, but it is, you know, right now kind of the best practice for getting this under control. And it's a very key part of the business. So it's worth spending the time in many respects.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Is there um, anything that we talked about today that you'd kind of really want our listeners to really like solidify in their brains?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is, you know, I talked earlier about moving from the world where, um, you know, finance was negotiating with Dell and HP for what is the price and lease terms of of a compute box to a world where things are procured via API by developers and something that I left out in there, but that's key to why Um, solutions beyond what the vendors uh, AWS and Azure offer are necessary in this space, is if you look at just the complexity of the number of contracts, the number of ways to commit or purchase an individual resource, which most developers, they don't even go to that dashboard and look at. For any given resource in any given data center, there's 36 plus ways to actually, with different flexibility, upfront commitment terms, regional constraints, actually lock into that. And the complexity of the contracts means that, you know, when we ingest the number of contracts just for EC2 and AWS, that's a two gigabyte file. That's not something that, you know, even if this was centralized and put into finances hands, they could go through in an easy way with Excel. This requires programmatic optimization. And really at the end, even if you know exactly what you're going to use, Saying how much money I should put up front into these contracts is an NP hard problem. So fundamentally, I think what is nuanced here is the um the partnership that needs to be made between finance and engineering, but the necessity for engineering or developers or even data scientists to actually be stakeholders in that. Um, centralized financial planning process because of you know, frankly the complexity and the difficulty of the problems that come out of this new way of you know procuring these contracts through an API for these resources in you know a cloud environment where you're not actually procuring the boxes you're procuring uh, coupons that can be used to pay for these boxes. So there's a lot of complexity there, and I think having an expert on the team is obviously a, a must if you're going to seriously go through and you know build a cloud center of excellence or start that cloud optimization loop. You need someone who's versed across all of these different things from EDP negotiations all the way down to um, kind of the individual contract types that could be used for different resources in the cloud.
1: Before we end, do you want to take a minute to talk about um, how your company kind of plays into cloud cost optimization?
0: Yeah. Um, So, you know, we started actually I started this out of Amazon working with, uh, you know, a number of customers who were focused on just trying to get visibility into their environments. But what I realized was that, you know, after they got things tagged and attributed and they had some sort of idea of where the spend was going, what was going on in terms of who is using what and are things purchased efficiently, actually operationalizing those plans was where a lot of the friction came in because it had to be on engineering roadmaps. It was very heavyweight, required a ton of back and forth um, between that centralized management team that I talked about and the individual engineering teams. And the goal of what we're trying to do is really streamline and automate as much of that process as possible. So instead of having engineers go and have to label their infrastructure by hand in the aws or azure console we actually have automated rules that can do it centrally from our system Uh, instead of having finance go and build spreadsheets to forecast spend uh, and consumption based on what they think the business is going to do uh, we actually automate and and provide levers to inform a lot of those forecasts and then you know instead of taking the aws best practices of buying the lowest flexibility um, or highest flexibility and lowest savings rate contracts for their uh, infrastructure, we actually say, look, based on your forecast, you can do you know, three-year commitments for this, partial upfront for this, and you know savings plans for this. So we actually blend that portfolio of commitments for them. And then finally, we uh, are so confident in the forecast that we help customers um, put together. We actually sell insurance uh, against those commitments. So if they don't use the commitments that we're buying on their behalf, uh, they can just send those right back to us. They can, you know, scale down their infrastructure, and they won't have penalties on the back end. Um, so we try and make this a lot more automated and, you know, less uh, nail biting and risky process all around for kind of the stakeholders in this new world of of cloud management.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on today and talking to me.
0: Well, thanks really so much for you. having me, Jenna. Likewise.
1: Thanks again for listening to What the Dev.